Hey, Funky Junkies, it's your girl, the Chief Curl Officer, Renee Morris of Uncle Funky's Daughter. And I am so excited to take over for Melinda tonight as the host of, you know what, the chat box. This week, we are honoring women and women history. And I am so honored and excited to have the founder, inventor of the Puff Cuff, the co-CEO, Sita Lash with me. Hey, Sita, how are you? Fine. How are you? So happy to be here with you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm so excited to have you. This is going to be so fun. So fun. So one, for Women's History Month, we wanted to talk about women CEOs, you know, and and women of color CEOs. And the data always talks about the fact that it's a struggle, right? There are, we are less than 5% of the population. I think it's more like 2% or something like that of the population of women out there are Black women CEOs or women of color CEOs. And I wanted to talk to you about how you found the Puff Cuff, what that journey felt like for you, and just some of the lessons learned along along the way. So, and the funky junkies out there know a little bit about my story, but I want to spend some time learning a little bit about your story. So tell us about the Puff Cuff and how you came about it. Okay, so way back in the day, before the natural hair movement, before influencers, before all that stuff, back in 20, I think 2003 is when I first started. No, 2006. I literally just happened to go longer between touch-ups and all of my dandruff and flaking and scaling and scabbing and all of that on my scalp just disappeared. So at that point, I was like, my body is telling me to stop, stop with the chemicals And the relief was so great that I wasn't willing to go back. But at that time, of course, there, like I said before, there wasn't the all the education or that we have now. So I felt like a fish out of water, and I was, you know, trying to figure out if I was even going to like my new self with this hair growing out of my head that I had not seen since I was a little girl because I had been having my hair straightened or or relaxed since you know you could sit up in the chair. Yeah. So. I was like, okay. And at that time, I was not in the Atlanta area. I was not around so much blackness. I was up in Chicago and the first, you know, the only black women, black woman in my um, department and in my building. I worked at a college campus at that time. And I was just like, I needed something to be able to give me a look that I could digest and like myself. And the way that look was to put my hair up in a puff. Well, at that time, I could not find anything that could hold my hair up that wouldn't cause me to have a blazing headache by the end of the day. I was using shoestrings, elastic bands. I never did do the pantyhose thing. I was going to say, do the scrunchie. Right. I never did that, but I understood it. I got it. I was like, yeah, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. But I was like, one thing, when you're using all that stuff, you still end up getting hair breakage because- you're pulling your edges all the time. Yeah, it was really stressful uh, on your hair. Yeah, Right. And it's cinching down. And if it's moving, it's causing friction, which is causing breakage. And just the whole like suffering from all of that, especially the headache. And I used to be a sufferer of chronic migraines. So I was like, this is ridiculous that I have to suffer in order to have my hair up. So I kind of thought about a clip that my mother and grandmother had that I'm pretty sure everyone has had has seen when they were litter. No, no, it wasn't the banana clip because I knew banana clips worked for, I could not ever get my hair into a shape of banana, even if I tried. (laughs) I was like, I need something that's circular and kind of could, you know, 
kind of mimic the shape of my head, even though everybody's head ain't necessarily round, but we're going to pretend everybody's head is round. That, But on a large scale that would just hold my hair in place, not try to cinch it down. Because I'm like, okay, everything that cinches down is trying to give straight hair bulk. And us with curly and textured hair, we already have bulk. So we just needed whatever this tool is going to be to hold the hair in place. So that was the concept to get a bigger clip. There was like a clip that Goody made that was like tortoiseshell. It was about the size of a, maybe about the size, a little smaller than a tennis ball. And it had teeth all, that went all the way through. And I was like, well, if I could find something where the teeth aren't trying to penetrate the hair, but just kind of like work like fingers and hold the, the tool in place, then it should make sense and it should work. But I couldn't find anything, like literally nothing. And I was like, well, it's got to be more than just me that needs this tool. So went years. I mean, I had the idea back in 2006, 20, 20, um, but it took me until 2011, 2012 to actually put the idea into motion. And plain, quite honestly, it was because I was scared. I didn't think that I could do it. You know, I didn't think yeah. that this would ever be a company like what it is now. I just literally was thinking, I can see what it looks like. I can envision what it looks like. I can envision how it works. It should work. But I don't have any resources or even know the first thing about trying to create a product, let alone getting something to market. And what was the push? Because I think a lot of women and, and even particularly Black women, you're not atypical. I think we all suffer from the I'm not ready. I don't know. I don't know enough about it. I haven't done my research. We can get stuck in analysis paralysis really quickly, right? And your brain can talk you out of taking those big leaps. So what got you over the ability to kind of, and, the, and, and putting the faith in yourself to take the big leap? Literally, it was two life-changing events that happened in one weekend. I ended up having my grandmother who was 99 years old, had always lived independently, lived life, a beautiful, abundant, fulfilled life, be diagnosed with congestive heart failure and was told that she could no longer live alone. And she's my father's mother. And she was like, there's no way I'm going to go live with your daddy. So I'm coming to live with you. I said, okay, <laughs> <laughs> you can come live with me. She knew that, like, you know, this is congestive heart failure is not something that could be cured or you recover from. And she was 99. So she was like, I know this is the beginning of my transition, but I can't be alone. So she came to live with us from Indiana to Illinois. And then at the same time, we were on the list to adopt a child. And we had um, been on the list for like 18 months. This was going to be our third child. It was a dream of mine to always adopt. And we literally had that same weekend, went to Indianapolis to get my grandmother's furniture. And my husband looked at me and she said, he's like, I'm looking at you melting. Your grandmother is calling your name 57,000 million times. There's no way you're going to be able to do this. And we're going to be able to get a baby at the same time. We should take our names off the adoption list. And I said, you are 100% right. Let's get through this season first, and then we'll revisit the adoption thing. By the time I came home that Monday, my adoption counselor had called and told me, you've been chosen. You will have your baby by this weekend. Oh, my gosh. So, 
Yes. So we had received a brand new baby and a 99-year-old all in the same weekend. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Not to mention, we already had two kids. So it was How old were your like, kids? Our kids at the time were eight. I have twins. Eight, eight year, I have two boys that are twins. Oh. So we were like, literally, it was, if we make it through this, we can make it through anything, you know. Right. God does not ask you what you can bear, and thank goodness He doesn't, because I would have chickened out a whole, you know, several times. Right. But it was like when I was in that season, and I got to develop an even more intimate relationship with my grandmother. She was like so ready to go to heaven and meet Jesus and her family and stuff. And I was like, Grandma, you there's nothing else that you want to do, or that she's like, No, I've done everything I want to do. I did everything that God had for me to do. I'm ready to go. And I knew I had this idea. And fulfill yes. the years. That's, that's yes. a blessing. Yes. And I knew I had this idea in the back of my head. And I was like, if I don't do this, I'm going to regret it. I'm not going to be able to have the same type of peace that she has. And it was an abundant peace. And I was like, so I'm ready. There's, I've been through this. We can do this. Let's start. And I just happened to be at the right place at the right time being at the uh, university because I had such a big network of people that wow. I could tap into to try and get the idea rolling. And that's just where it happened. Because that's the hard, the hard part, especially for, you could call it a device like yours, mm -hmm. right? Is that you need, mm -hmm. you need to get that design right and get it to work and functional and practical and then get the costs in line with the design and find somebody. I mean, there's a lot of pieces to that. It's not an easy hurdle to get over. So first, congrats to you for getting over that hurdle and giving yourself the grace to take the leap and have that leap of faith and getting out there. So that's exciting. Thank you. I mean, it, doesn't that happen with both of us? We're all just like, oh, I don't know. But then that's one thing. It's something within you that clicks and says, you know what? I'm going to. Even you're if I don't succeed, I'm yeah. going to. Yeah, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. I mean... Yeah, you're absolutely right. And there's something in you that says now is the time and we're going to do this. And you just kind of buck up buttercup. And right, right. Exactly. Exactly. I, say, I like to say to my team, put your big girl pants on. Oh, that's my line. Except for I call them panties. I'm like, put your big girl panties on. Yeah, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and so it's like, yeah, buck up, put them on and let's just go. And it can feel overwhelming. And this is really for the, for those listening. But my other line is, and this sounds disgusting, but I always say, how do you eat an elephant? One bite mm -hmm. at a time. It can look large and seem so formidable, but you just got to start. You got to start somewhere. You got to start somewhere. That's so true. And I think if you start looking at the everything as a whole, it will take your freaking breath away. Yes. And I tell people, don't, don't look at it. Don't look at the whole big picture because it will totally overwhelm you and make you feel even more insignificant and insecure. But this entrepreneurial journey, it's like, and I, I know, you know, it's handling one issue at a time, sometimes one moment at a time. Oh, yes. And next thing you know, you've got all these years passed and you're still here. Mm hmm. Heck, I, I say that about my marriage. I say that about my <laughs> child rearing. I say that about everything. People will ask me, what are you doing like next week? I have no idea. Right. I don't know what I have to do today. <laughs> right. 
I can tell you where my kids need to be at six o'clock today. That's what right. I can tell you. I can tell you that my anniversary is on Monday and I need a present. You know, like, you know, right, I, can, right. I can tell you that. Um, and you don't feel bad about it. You pat yourself on the back that you can remember that part. <laughs> yeah, there, there's just so much that goes on. I mean, so you, you get it. We're in the same boat. We're women entrepreneurs. You're a mom of three. I'm a mom of four. You're married. You got, I don't know if you got a dog or a cat at home, but we got a dog at Girl, home. Girl, got three dogs. Oh my God. Crazy. You are crazy. It's crazy. Because two of them are midlife crisis dogs. Okay. The first dog was my son's dog because he's ADHD and OCD. So we needed him, somebody to play with him when he would wear everybody else out. Oh, and yeah. then now that my kids are, my older two are 18, I needed somebody that was excited when I came home and gave me that unconditional love. So I got my midlife crisis dog last year. And then my husband got his midlife crisis dog for Christmas because he was jealous of my midlife crisis. Dog. <laughs> well, that's not happening at the Morris household. I can tell you. <laughs> there will be no more things for people to take care of. Nothing is coming else up in that house. Uh, <laughs> that's awesome. Did you have a time either in the beginning, midway through when you just kind of, it, it may be happening now too, that you may just felt like you wanted to just break down and just quit. And and how did you get through it? Because we all have had that moment, right? How did you get yourself through it? I can, you know, give, give what is it, all praises and honor to God that right now I'm not in that way. <laughs> We're actually, I've got more energy and more optimism now than I have before. I would say the one time that I was really like ready to just like, you know, say, forget it. I'm done. I'm tired. When Amazon shut my store down. What? We launched. Yes. We launched on Amazon in 2014, mainly because technically a new technology when it came to hair accessories, like many people in the hair accessory game. So, and then, you know, hair accessories are, there's only like a couple major players and we were not it. So we were like, okay, maybe if we piggyback on Amazon, people will trust the Amazon customer service and Amazon's reputation and blah, blah, blah. And it worked. It did work. But there came a time when our manufacturer did something to where when the, the puff cuffs came out of the mold, it looked like they were scratched. It was like the, the surface of them. And they're really called like flow lines. You've seen when... um plastic flows into something and you get those like ripples in it. They kind of look like waves or, you know, ocean waves, okay. but it was ripples in the, in the surface of the puff cuff. It wasn't like you could physically feel them, but you could see them. Got it. And a customer reported to Amazon that she received a used puff cuff. And it was like no explanation, no question, just shut my store down. Amazon just totally, and we had to go through appeal after appeal after appeal. And this was really before my website, my own, our own e-commerce portal had any traction because we were really getting really good traction off of Amazon. And I just felt like so hopeless. And I was like, I was upset and hurt because my thing was, how come the customer couldn't contact us before putting it out to Amazon? And I know they didn't know, but it was almost seemed like it was for me, because, you know, this is your baby. It almost felt to me like it was like purposely hurtful. When I was like, there's no way anybody who would send somebody a used hair clip. 
Right, right, right. So that was one of the lowest points because it went from, you know, making money overnight to nothing. Like that was our main source of revenue. And it just, it really took me down, really, really took me down. But then that's when my husband really had to step in and be like, look, you got to think from the customer's perspective. Right. Yeah. And I think too, you know, you always hold, at least I do, always hold that what you hear in the background, black business, black, like being a black business automatically makes you like negative and behind the game or not up to par or not up to quality. And I could hear that in the background in, in my head. And it was like, my husband's like, it doesn't have anything to do with that. It literally just has to do with, this is what this person observed. This is what happened. What is the lesson coming out of this? And how do we move forward? And I think that is one of the biggest takeaways coming out of this conversation is, is that when you get knocked down, as you did, as I have, don't stay down. Look at it objectively. Figure out, and even sometimes it can be from the customer's perspective, look at it from the customer's perspective or the other person's perspective and understand what happened. How do you learn from it? What controls do you put in place to prevent it from mm-hmm. happening again? Mm-hmm. Right? So, and, and so there are always lessons learned. Always. Yep. Awesome. I appreciate it. Well, thank you so much for this word, these words of wisdom. This has been awesome. We could go on forever. I know when you and I start talking, yeah, like, oh, be- only have 15 minutes. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, I need another 15. Let's, we're going to have to do this again. Yes, we do. Part two. Well, we've talked right. about doing a series of like entrepreneurship sessions. I've done um, some master classes. I've done some other things and so it, it's just crazy. It, you can go on and, and share lessons. And these are things that, you know, people didn't teach me. Nobody told me. So I feel no, like, I feel no. like it, it's okay. I, I just feel obligated to what is given much as respect. Right. Right? Much is given much respect. Yes. I feel obligated yes. to share everything that I know or as much as I know, as much as I can. So thank you for sharing your knowledge with me today. And I really appreciate it. Funky Junkies, until the next time. Enjoyed, I hope you enjoyed this edition of the podcast of our chat box and catch us next week. Take care, everybody. Happy Women's History Month. Happy Women's History Month.